0: you, your lucky sausage. You found the Talk Marketing Show where the League of Marvelous Marketeers give up everything you need to be more successful in your business. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? Ten. Nine. Eight. Seven. Six. three two one go,
1: go, go, go good morning mr breeze good morning how are you doing i'm really well thank you how are you very good i love the how you how polite we've started a very british way of starting a podcast <laughs>
0: yes i like to let's start formal we might it, who knows how far it will um decline how far into the gutter will go <laughs> <Fair enough. laughs> man thank you so much for agreeing to spend this time with me um as you know i'm kind of on this mission i feel like i'm kind of dumping everything i know about marketing on the world so maybe i could give up marketing in a year or two and feel like i've fulfilled my responsibility to the world they know everything i know and as part of that i'm dragging the most interesting people that i've met in marketing in the 15 years that i've been running the effective marketing and um, you are on that list so thank you so much for agreeing to spend this time with us
1: of course well thank you it's a very lovely compliment to start the call off with <laughs>
0: that's okay you're one of the most interesting people
1: um, <laughs> one so- of the most not the, the most just one of the most yeah <laughs>
0: Well, I suppose if we were looking at the data, you'd be the 11th most interesting person because this is the 11th one. <laughs>
1: How many people do you know on that list?
0: Well, Are there 11 stressed.
1: people on that list.
0: There's 11 people. <laughs> Thanks. So, and now I'm scraping the barrel. It's not true. I was, I was always intending to speak to you. Um, and it's because you put a cheeky thing out. <clears throat> you tagged, um, Jordan Peterson on a, on a Facebook um, message saying, I could help you with your YouTube ads. And I'm like, yes, I want to speak to Tom, definitely. Okay, <laughs> so the format is, um, you can let us know how you've got on with that. The format is literally kind of how you are qualified to talk to us about marketing. I know your specialty is YouTube ads. So kind of how you're qualified to talk to us about that, how you feel about marketing, of how you engage with your clients and what you offer to your clients and then also kind of your recommendation and your experience of going through this crazy situation that we found ourselves in the last 12 months so the beginning is how are you qualified to talk to us about marketing
1: good question so marketing in general i feel like I have a few tricks up my sleeve, um, but I'm probably not the best generalist in the world. My specialist area is YouTube advertising, as you mentioned. And so that's where I can go really deep. I've been doing it for eight years. Like prior to that, I was doing a lot in video. I was doing a lot in the SEO world. And um, I started moving into more of the advertising space. So I think I was probably one of the first people to be advertising on the YouTube ad platform. since then, we've done everything in a performance based model in our agency. So instead of me working with clients and doing a traditional model where we will, oh, well, sorry, most agencies will charge a monthly fee and a percentage of ad spend. That would be the typical setup for most agencies. The way that we do things is different. What we do instead is we say to the client, we'll do it purely performance based. So we'll fund the advertising and clients pay us for an agreed result. So that's normally a good lead in, so to speak, to be like, I can talk about this because my job is to get results for clients. If that didn't happen, then I wouldn't have an agency. Um, And I'm glad to say the agency is going very well. And and we have some amazing clients that we work with. But it, it does feel like a partnership with all of our clients, because we're only going to take clients on that we can actually feel that we can get a great result with them and clients we want to work with because we know it's going to be a long-term partnership it's not going to be the sort of thing where we'll run it for three months and then they'll say great i'm going to move on to the next agency we are partnered in such a way we're like we're in it for the long run and we're willing to put all of our all of our resources into this so we have a whole team of experts that are great on the scripting the storyboarding the editing the running the accounts and uh, the account management and everything else that goes with it are kind of like once we have a client on board we're all in with them it just means that we have to be very careful about who we work with at the agency uh, which is called viewability and um, so that's one part of what we do and then the other part of uh, what we do is we have another company uh, called ad buyers club and there is like the training aspect to running youtube ads so there will train Companies and um almost like a we say training, it's more mentoring. Uh we have the online training and things like that, but we don't really sell that. We say, look, we're gonna mentor with you uh for a for a period of time, normally 12 months. We turn people into YouTube ad buying pros, and we've had some amazing results there as well. Like people are spending now over two million a month, two million dollars a month on YouTube ads. That's USD, not um <laughs> some lower currency. Um and um and so that would only be working if it was very profitable and could scale. So I feel like in a unique position where I know that we have an agency doing this, but also I train people doing this as well. Um, so from that perspective, YouTube ads I can talk about all day long. <laughs> and um, But if you were to ask me more generally about marketing, um, there's probably better people out there for that.
0: Okay, now that's cool. I'm really interested to speak to you about YouTube ads. As I've told you already, I kind of have a vested interest because I'm about... To test the water with some advertising i'm producing all this content and i need to kind of push it a little bit harder so that's interesting and it's kind of interesting that you are so specific because i don't know if i have been as complimentary. the, the thing is i think that, that marketing has has been revolutionized clearly by digital and it's become much more specialist, and it's become much more technical. And I think that has made it more complicated and less accessible. And I, I think I feel like it's all become compartmentalized. Whereas I'm a marketing generalist and I want to sit down and perform a strategy with someone, and I know enough about all of these things and where they fit into the into the puzzle. And um so I'm interested to speak to you about that. So mm. I've just said a lot and you've not said very much and you're the interesting one in this conversation. So how do you well,
1: <laughs> how do you feel about that? Very much so I think I think that like the two aspects to running YouTube ads is that you've got to have one foot inside of the creative world which is where I think everything's heading anyway. And you have to have another foot in the analytical ad buying world as well, which is the more complicated technical setup. And right. getting really good at YouTube ads, you have to have to bridge those two pieces. So it's very rare for someone to go into YouTube advertising and say like, they can nail it. It's, it's normally a team effort or someone who's had just years of experience of doing it. I know that when I first started out, I came from a more of a creative side and had to learn the technical side, and I'm I'm not natural at that. I can see it as a a puzzle to to figure out, but it's I wouldn't say my deep down natural part of me is very analytical. I kind of I can do it very well from a maths standpoint, and I've always. I've come from that world as well when I did all my studies at university and things so I kind of have an appreciation for it but it's not not a passion of mine to be diving into numbers all day and and working with the numbers the the bigger aspect of this is the creative and that's where you are pretty much looking at the brand and the strategy and what's going to take for somebody to see your video and make a decision to click and go buy that's that's not easy that's the bit which is eludes most people because they get comfortable in the numbers and can't appreciate the t- creative or get so romantic with the creative side they forget about the numbers and it's it's that marrying of those two pieces that really makes a, for a good youtube ad buyer so that's your point definitely i feel like there's a there's a there's a movement which has been over the last 10 years or so where everything's getting more and more analytical and very data driven and which i fully appreciate We're starting to move away from that now because a lot more data is, the world is changing and Apple and Facebook are having their arguments. Apple are not letting much of the data get back to Facebook. That's going to make it very difficult for Facebook. But that's just, we're just the start of this overhaul and this reform basically in the industry. And with that in mind, we've got to as ad buyers got to look at the creative aspect and say we're not going to have the numbers we once had we're not going to have all this data generating these perfect audiences for us it's not going to be as easy any longer we've got to get good at storytelling uh, video um, from a messaging standpoint and make sure we know how to psychologically turn someone from a viewer into a customer how you do that is i'm more than happy to dive into that and it's the it's the struggle that we'll have over the next five years
0: okay man this has got interesting quickly so there's two things that you've said that i want to come back to so the first you're doing this on a performance basis so not on a commission basis you're actually funding the ads yourselves we need to talk Mm -hmm. about that and then there is which i had no idea of so you're saying apple is this through the safari browser aren't providing facebook or youtube with the data so they can't provide you with the data so is that what you're saying
1: i mean this gets complicated we're in the depths of it right as we talk now and the new ios 14 update from apple will will block a lot of the data going back to facebook so this is only happening majorly on facebook right now it's gonna be different on google and other platforms but basically what's happening is apple are saying way too much data is being shared across multiple platforms and apps and they don't like it so if you're going to use an ios device um, and that's normally going to be your iphone or it could be a um, a tablet for example if when you go to like facebook there'll be an update very soon if you haven't had it already which will say something a prompt from apple to say would you like Facebook to track your behavior. And I, I mean, I, I don't know exactly the wording they're gonna choose, but basically it's, it's written in such a way where you'll say, not a chance. I don't want advertisers to have all my data. Thank you very much. And you'll press no. And that'll be the one decision you make and you're opting out of data basically. So when you use right. your app on your phone, what'll happen is that as you see an ad that will now be not personalized to use, you, so you'll start seeing probably more irrelevant, random ads. You'll still see as many ads, but they just won't be relevant anymore. So it's not actually that great for the user, I don't think. That's to be seen. What'll happen is that if you go click and buy, the Facebook advertiser will see that you've made that purchase. That conversion will go through and you'll see that in your ad account. Probably won't be as accurate as it once was. I'll come back to accuracy and attribution in a minute if you want me to. But the The fact is that if someone clicks that ad and outside of that one day window, and this is still up in the air of exactly what this is gonna mean for everybody. If it's outside of that one day window, so you click an ad and buy in three days time, let's say, Facebook, the actual ad uh, platform won't know about it or won't be able to report it to you because Apple won't give that data back to Facebook. Um, I'm probably simplifying a little bit. There's so much more complication that goes on. And I might be talking out of turn a little bit because I'm not the expert on this area, but basically what's going to happen is that Facebook can't get all that data back in, and that's how they build their custom audiences, their lookalike audiences and everything like that, and it's going to get patchy. They're starting to work on models that will hopefully be able to use machine learning to predict it. Whether that's going to be accurate, I don't know or not, but basically at the end of this, Facebook's going to be a, a really turbulent time until they find a model that will kind of work at some level. And if you're very, very data focused and building audiences of Facebook focused, your ad performance is going to go terribly. You've got to start looking at it from a standpoint of what do we want to say to our customers so that we know there's a very good chance of those people becoming customers. We're not going to be able to track everything as accurately as we would like. We can track it in our CRM more accurately, but we can't get that data back into the ad account. Very easily. You can do it with things called Facebook Click IDs and Google Click IDs. You can get that data back in, but it's not going to be able to build you further audiences off that. So, it, this conversation goes much more complicated, much deeper, and we're still in the midst of it. So, I don't know what the outcome will be, just that I know we're in for a very turbulent time. And this is just the start of what will happen over the next five to 10 years.
0: Wow. Okay. So, this is kind of relevant also, I think, to why people find it difficult to invest in marketing because it's and especially digital marketing it's constantly changing it's constantly evolving and it's getting more technical and more difficult and it's it's hard to stay on it but this is the point that i've made i've been saying to people that i've worked with that i've trained since 2008 make hay while the sun shines because it can't mm. ever be it can't be this good forever you know and we've seen that with like facebook edge rank everything has got demonstrably worse for the marketer, you know, arguably for the user. Okay, so that's really interesting. And Facebook, you're talking about Facebook because you build audiences from from Pixel and those kinds of things, is that?
1: I'm talking about Facebook because it's happening there most now. Right. Google, it's slightly different. Remember the Facebook really, for most people was an app and that's if they've got an iOS device, that's where you go for Facebook. Now, some people will use Facebook on their desktop. I don't know how much of a percentage of it will be. It depends on the different businesses, but I know it's going to be more on mobile devices. With with Google, they're switching how they're doing the tracking, and they're being a bit clever about it so that they've got Google have got about probably about 50 times more data on people because they've been around for a lot longer. And also you use Google in so many different ways. They've got, like, if you use your Google Maps, if you use um, if you use Google Sheets, Google data, uh, Docs, if you've got G Suite or whatever it's called now, um, if you use Gmail, if you're using the Google platform, if you're using YouTube, they can get data on you from everywhere. And it's not just because you're logged in as a user, they're getting information from everywhere. They're changing their tracking Behavior or the tracking uh methods. And as a result of that, they're bypassing this issue with with Apple so that this prompt won't come up for you. You can still opt out if you really want to as a user. You have to kind of find it though in your settings and kind and no one's gonna do that. But you're not getting this prompt. And this, I mean, it's just first wave, so I'm not sure what's gonna happen in the next five years and 10 years, but I know that. Apple don't want data being shared so freely. And I think it's a good thing. I think the world is gonna be a better place and social media be a better place because you're not gonna get this. We're not gonna get so many issues with what advertisers are doing and it's gonna change the world uh, from an advertising perspective. But Google will be, I think, a little bit more delayed. They have a much more data so they can predict more accurately and they can start to get data back into your account with better accuracy is my prediction. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. And how much of an impact it will have because how many people are using the app to make a purchase, lots of people using Google and YouTube on desktops and multiple other platforms as well and they can stitch all that data together. So I don't think Google are gonna get hit quite so hard, but because Facebook's more of a isolated app by itself that's going to get hit hard first and we'll see where we go from there but it's it's almost like all-out war for apple and facebook and it feels like google and apple have worked and collaborated together through this period so it feels for me i'm just purely youtube so i don't know this inside out but i just know that if entrepreneurs who are using facebook ads as a main source of their traffic right now and they're not really really savvy they're in trouble that like It'll. I would prefer to say it now. It's almost like now is the time to do something about it. And the way to do it, to kind of get ready for it, is to understand how to track your customers most accurately. Platforms like Wicked Reports is a great thing to invest in because whilst it's expensive, you can start to get all the data into your account and see exactly what's happening. And then you can see how you relay that back into your ad account. But people are, it's like flying blind soon and Facebook just won't be able to help you and that'll be a big problem.
0: Okay, and do you think that this is, Apple are doing this for the good of the users and the good of the world, or do you think there must be some commercial aspect to this, they don't want Facebook being as successful or benefiting from their users commercially maybe? I don't know, I'm cynical.
1: No, yes, I understand And I think that there's probably, it wouldn't surprise me if Apple bring out an advertising platform soon that would not surprise me. the and so it might be kind of a bit of warfare in that way like we're going to get all the ad buyers and all the activity happening on apple now and not on facebook so much and make it more difficult for other platforms. that's a little cynical maybe from me but i don't think i don't put it past apple. apple make their money from selling products, right? and they create products for their users, and they want their products to be as best as possible. And if you're using apps or you're getting frustrated with those apps, that's coincided with your experience on the, on the iPhone. And as a result, they're going to be like, "Well, we don't want the experience to be bad. Why is it bad? Oh, it's because they're tracking people in this way. That's not great. Let's we can stop that from happening. And th- therefore, this product becomes better for our user. I think that Apple are quite right in that in that stance. I think I think it's actually a very very good thing. I much prefer that than governments trying to come in and try and sort things out, because it, you can. Uh, if you ever saw like how um, Zuckerberg was treated when they were trying to get into their understanding of how all this data is being shared, they just didn't have a clue what they were even talking about. And so, it's not like governments can step in. Someone like Apple can step in and has done a very good job of that. The but the thing that I think is the overriding problem with someone like Facebook, and and I'm an advertiser, so I'm speaking from this as a user's perspective. I love getting lots of data and using it to run better ads. Like, don't get me wrong, that's kind of my my day in day out. But when when a platform like Facebook is is using all this data to to continue showing you ads, you end up realizing that the user's not independent, the user is the product. That's what kind of Google, uh, that's what Apple will say, is that you end up in a situation where like, without the users, there is no Facebook. It's not anything but the users and the users are being exploited for ads. And the profit of that is just going back into the Facebook platform. I don't know how I feel about that. I, I've, I've got mixed feelings around it, but I know that something has to change and I'm, I'm glad that Apple are doing it rather than like legislation from governments. So yeah, I, I mean, I, I, it, it feels like I'm right at the edge of where I know where we're at right now. And I, I don't know how to talk about it more without getting lost myself. And I have opinions, but they're not founded in lots of facts because they just aren't the facts yet so i feel like i'm out of my depth a little bit going any further on this topic but it's uh, it's 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 a big moment and i think it's it's a good time for youtube advertising because i don't think we're going to hit gonna get hit nearly as hard however we're still going to get hit for sure it's just more that, like we have we just to prep as um, as best as possible for the upcoming changes
0: Okay, cool. I don't need you to go. You've already blown my mind, man. I had no idea this was going on. So you don't need to get any more technical, any more detailed. We're good. Um, what did I want to say? What I wanted to say is because this is going, you'll have seen the social dilemma thing. I got really mm. mad about the social dilemma thing. So I wanted to. It was the in Netflix with, thing,
1: right?
0: It was the Netflix thing, yeah.
1: That's exactly what we're talking about here. Like Facebook have all this data on us. Yes. Are using it and exploiting user really
0: yes and i can imagine if i was apple i wouldn't want another corporation taking my customers and turning them into product that's uh, of course you wouldn't want that and apple could come up when you say apple could come up with an ad platform you're talking about a social media because is, is that what it would have no to be? i, it's I think that just,
1: just ads coming up on your phone. You know, ah, like it doesn't have to be on a social like a media platform. It's just style. like, it's just a, yeah, like I'm sure they can get ads in front of us in multiple ways based on whatever app you're using. And like, they'll have a whole heap of different ways of getting ads in front of us for sure.
0: Yes. Okay, so we're talking iOS devices. We're not talking desktops. Mac desktops aren't a significant enough part of the market. Okay, so that's interesting. YouTube, if you access it, I'm not an iPhone user, but i imagine it's the same as on my android if i access youtube it's through the app so there could be there could be something there or that or you just think that apple and google are playing nicely more nicely together
1: they're, they're kind of working together to get to an end result that kind of works based on apple's hard stance right. so Again, like, there's been like one of a series of four presentations from Google at uh, this stage of like how to prepare and what this is going to mean. And, and the biggest thing that I've noticed from that so far is that two things that will be coming from Google and YouTube is that one, they won't have the prompt for users to opt out. So that will bypass that because they're changing their conversion tracking model. And the second thing as well as because Google have so much more data on us and can collect data from multiple places, they'll be much better at predicting what happens so that when we're running the ad accounts, we can normally see a bit more accuracy. Accuracy is such a huge thing though, because attribution and accuracy, like if you run an ad from YouTube, let's say, well, let's say for example, I ran an ad from YouTube and you saw my ad. Now you might have loved that ad and thought this is brilliant, but didn't click because either you're kind of not ready to click, you had something else in your mind, but you're like, hey, that was a, I like that, I like that guy, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> and from there, you may then go to Google and type in Tom Breeze or whatever you would type in Viewability or Ad bias Club or something, and you type it in, you do you more research, and then you'll go buy potentially. Okay, now in that instance, you can start to say, well what happened there because you saw my ad and then you went to google maybe you saw a different ad of mine that's running on google and then you bought and i can probably see that in my account in fact i know i could but how much do you weight the conversion based on what your interaction was like would you say that youtube did the work and turned you into a customer or did google do the work and turned you into a customer because that, without both that would never have happened Like if you went to YouTube and you saw it, and then you Googled me, couldn't find me, and lost interest, then all of a sudden you're no longer a customer. So the Google ad did something. It was the last thing you clicked on before you became a customer. But that would never have worked if it wasn't for YouTube, and YouTube would have never worked if it wasn't for Google. That bit's quite easy because it's one platform, and you can kind of start to see the interaction there. But things get a little bit more complicated when you don't do it on a Google platform. So let's say, for example, you click on my ad on YouTube, you go to my website or a page or a blog page or something on those lines, you interact on that page. And I say, if you spend more than two minutes on this blog page, then I want to drop a pixel on you a remarketing or retargeting pixel on you. And then seven days later, you see an ad of mine that is targeting you based on that recent behavior on my website. You now see an ad from me on Facebook. And at that point, Facebook then advertises to you, you'll see the ad on Facebook, you click and buy. That gets a little bit more complicated because you're saying, well, the Facebook ad would never have even appeared if you weren't on my website to begin with. And so how do, how do you weight the, the ads at that point? And then you've got an even more troubling aspect, which is, well, once I'm a bigger brand and I'm running TV ads, radio ads, billboard ads, and I could never track you in the first place, what happens then? And things get really complicated then because you're like, well, how do I actually wait the conversion? Like if I had a billboard ad and then you clicked, oh, you can't click on a billboard ad, but then you went to Google and searched and you saw my Google ad, you clicked on it, waited three days and then you saw a Facebook ad and then you bought. Like, well, what was the customer journey? Like, do we just attribute that all to Facebook because that was the last click or do we look at everything else that happened and things we can't even track as well. So when people talk about accuracy, they're normally, most laymen are talking about the last click. Like, what was the last thing you clicked on to become a customer? And I'm going to take it all from there. And so that's what they deem as accurate. And so there's no such thing as accuracy in the first place. You're just looking at trends of data. You're saying, all right, that Facebook retargeting ad works really well, but something was happening over here that created that a bond with the brand or an experience of the brand and then they just happen to see the Facebook ad and click from there and go buy. So then you're saying to yourself, well, if we're going to take a step back from this and realize that all of this can't be tracked anyway, we're just tracking a limited amount of data and then we're deeming that as completely accurate, you're still dealing with a whole myriad of different experiences that people can have and then they go buy. And that's what I'm trying to say is that it doesn't matter about all this tracking to a certain extent you want to try and be as accurate as possible so you can see the the trends of the data but it's just that it's just trends and so when you're looking at all of the exposure you're doing and if you get bigger it gets more complicated if you're smaller you can kind of niche it down and become a little bit more siloed with your approach but you've got to look at it from a standpoint of what if I'm trying to track everything, don't forget that the message and the connection you have with a customer is far more important. If you see a killer billboard ad, that's just amazing and people rave about it and talk about it and share it everywhere, but you can't track any customers from that accurately. I mean, you could do a separate URL perhaps and have a unique offer on there, but if you just got a big brand, you're not gonna be able to do that. If it was like a Prada, for example, and it's an amazing ad, and everyone then types in Prada and go buy. Prada have got a problem on their hands, because they're like, well not problem, but they've got like a, a load of new customers, and it's working really well, but they're just gonna have to attribute it in a way that makes sense to them. But they're not gonna be able to have, have the numbers in a spreadsheet or numbers on an ad account that proves that. It's gonna be a far more difficult to, to see that data. But does that mean just cause you can't track it, you wouldn't run that billboard again? Of course not, you would c- continue running it. So you've got to look at the trends of the data and you've got to get really clear with the messaging you want to have. And data is getting more and more sketchy regardless, and it's only going to get worse as we go on. So you've got to start focusing a lot more on what impact you're having with your customers through your ads and not look at everything as, well, if the data doesn't support it, we've got to turn it off. Get as much data as you can and, and try and see those trends as accurate as possible so you know what to keep on doing and not and stop doing. But on the whole, if you're you're very profitable because your messaging is good, life becomes a lot easier.
0: Wow. Can I just say this is exactly the conversation I was hoping to have? Exactly the conversation. (laughs) Because there's another two things. I'm going to have to start writing stuff down. If you're going to drop two amazing points every time you open your mouth. All right. So remind me the first one. was the first one? Your funding ads. I think you answered (laughs) the second one because I answered that second. Okay, so the second thing here is you're talking about the customer journey, and I and I really want to talk to you about that because that for me is an issue, that for me is a challenge for specialists like you. So I want to talk to you about that. The third mm-hmm. thing that you said is, is basically about the data becoming less and less, or sketchy is the word that you used. So let's use that word. Now, I'm not operating, I'm a generalist, I'm running some campaigns for some customers still. Yesterday, we had an ca- occasion to look, like, clearly, I haven't been marketing my website for six years, and we've just started again, and it's, it's all looking nice, we've troubled things in, in a month, you know, it's it's easier when the number's really small to start with. Um, but. Um, We had occasion to go and look at the um we look every month at the um, search console data and it's clearly broken because on analytics it's telling us that we've had x number of visitors and on or clicks and from from search and on um search console it's giving us a much smaller number so it's broken okay so now we have to look and then we start looking at a few clients and and comparing, and what we realise is that the two sets of data from Google, not Google YouTube, Google, uh, are, are completely conflicting. So, we concluded… But do you care? And, Well, I do care if I'm reporting it to a, to a client, because they might come back to me and say, we need you to justify this because we're looking at something. So, this is where it gets sketchy, you know what I mean? I don't… I don't particularly care i think as long as we well what i'm interested to do in my reports for my clients is is report progress and as long as there's progress everyone's happy so as long as i uh, like we always go to search console for the data and we never had pause to go and check it against analytics so that's fine so i think the temptation is now to say okay but analytics is reporting more let's let's use that data in advance and will get <laughs> a hit in one month and then it will go terrible after that So, but that gives people a sense. Now, I would have known this when I was proactively winning customers and running lots of campaigns. I would have known this. And I did know this, but yesterday when I came to look at it again, it still shocked me that the data could be so different. This goes to the core of digital marketing. Like you and I, and everyone we know in digital marketing, has pitched digital marketing. Because of the data, because of the knowability, because it's not like putting up a billboard. It's not like running a TV ad. It's not like putting an ad in a magazine. You can see exactly what's working. You can see exactly what's effective. And then you can go to the level you've taken it with, with YouTube and you can turn that screw infinitely to get more and more and more value. So the question is then, is digital marketing in trouble if they, if the data is not any going to be available any longer?
1: Digital marketing is not in, in trouble. People that think that digital marketing is about data are in trouble.
0: Right.
1: That's that's the difference. Like it's like those people saying, "Oh, stop doing the TV ads because we can't track it." It's like, what are you talking about? That's ridiculous. Like, what if the TV ads were the best thing you had? You just, just because you can't track it, you're going to stop it? That's that's the worrying thing. And then and people. A black and white with it, they poo poo it immediately. To be like, can't track it, no point. It's like what? Like we run some campaigns for some, and we, we're always performance based. But we do campaigns for massive brands and brand, ha- household brands. I don't want to mention any right now, but like household brands that you'd you know you would know. Um, maybe not in Bali, but definitely in, the, in uh, the UK and the US and things like that. Um, with those guys, there's there's two things. Okay, so. If they've been going crazy on brand and brand awareness that digital marketers normally hate because I can't track it and they, there's no there's no end result or they can track it, but it's not as easy. But if they did like a massive TV ad campaign for this big brand, it's a digital marketer's nightmare because you're like, well, what results that bring in? I couldn't track it and it's not easy, right? Unless you get a very direct response type TV ad and then you had it running it four o'clock in the morning or something, and then be like, ah, four o'clock in the morning, we saw this big peak, so we're gonna attribute that all to that advert we ran. But big brands run ads all the time. Now, if they stop that activity and then say, right, no more ads running, and we start running their performance-based campaigns, we'll start running them and we'll notice that we get great results. And we can normally sit back and be like, oh, the power of the brand, right? Like our ads, is, our performance ads are so much easier to run because everyone are thinking about that brand or are aware of that brand. And, and you almost like, it's like, well, that's just that brand. Like that's just Prada, of course Prada gonna convert. So like, yeah, they had to spend a fortune on branding so you know who that brand is in the first place and get in your brain so you remember who they are and then that is such a powerful asset for years to come. So anytime you run a performance-based campaign and they see it's from Prada, I don't know why I keep on using Prada, but you get the point, you're going to be <laughs> they like- aren't
0: gonna, They aren't going to be sending you handbags on the fact that- No, on space, okay. on I mean, I'm, you I can try bar. as hard as
1: I can, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, my weekend get up is not going to look the right without <laughs> it, but there we go. Um, but the the fact is like, you can look at your performance-based campaigns, You're like guys, we're working with one of the biggest brands in the world. Of course, a performance-based campaigns are much easier to get good results on because everyone knows who this is and everyone trusts the brand and everyone's got great experience and and you've got all the elements that you'd want to run a really good performance-based campaign. But it cost them a fortune to get that in the first place. And so people ignore all that hard work that is the brand piece that's probably the most valuable piece just because it's not, Trackable easily, and people are like, well, sod that. Don't do that. Just focus on the ads that turn a customer from cold to warm to to a new customer um, in that one experience. And you're like, that's hard. That's that's that's. I mean, that's what I do all day. That it's hard, um, and so it's not as easy as it's is. Well, it's it's easy when you know what you're doing, but it won't be easy forever because uh, platforms get more complicated, more difficult to run. And it's not simple, but that's kind of why people should not look at digital marketing as a get in, do it, and kind of like see what sort of results they can get. It's like, this is a career. This is a, you got to be in it for the long run and ride those waves. Because I've been through the SEO waves where everything was brilliant and then everything was cut away. I've been through the ad um, journey where everything was brilliant and then everything was cut away from me. And we're in another situation now where, Data has been freely available for everybody, and it just won't be that way in the, in the space of a few weeks and in the space of a few years. It just won't be available for people, but it doesn't mean I'm going to stop and doesn't mean I'm going to because I can't track things, doesn't mean that it's not working. It's just you've got to look at the trends, look at a little bit broader picture, get as much data as you can, but know that you're going to be dealing with limited data. And the way that Mike Rhodes is a brilliant advertising um, expert very, very good on the um, Google side. He explains it by saying, let's imagine that you were to go to a pub and you were to have 10 pints. And so you're going to get drunk, unless you're a real, I mean, for me, five is probably fine for me. But um, if you were to have 10 pints that that evening, or you can swap some of those drinks, so you can say, right, instead of that pint, I'll have a gin and tonic or something. But you know you're going to have a good night with that much drink in you. And then in the morning afterward, you got a hangover. How do you attribute that hangover? You don't say. Do you know what? It was that fourth beer that I had. That was the one that got me. The rest of them, ah, nothing involved with any of that. Like that was that was just precursors. That was just nothing. But that fourth one really got me. That's how advertisers are thinking about it at the moment. They're thinking that one action caused the result, and it's not. It's all ten actions caused the result. And how do you track that? You track it as best you can, look for the trends of the data, but at the end of the day, that one beer wouldn't have got you drunk. 10 beers got you drunk and they all work together. And you've got to look at that from that perspective. And if you swapped one of those beers out with a tequila chaser, then that probably had more of an impact. But I'm sure you can kind of get the idea here is it's a whole theme of activity that's going on. So when people look at the data of like, oh, well, here's how much my blog traffic got and things, that's useful, but it's not where it ends. At the end of the day, as a performance marketer, from my side, I'm saying to the client, what's going to make this work and make you really, really happy? And they're like, well, at the end of the day, we've got to sell this. I'm like, fine. Now let's focus on doing that. And it might be that we have to do some branding activity here. It might be we have to do some um, kind of ads over here that are much more performance based. As a YouTube advertiser, I'm kind of lucky because I get that whole experience from a YouTube ad itself because you can run a long ad and you can get all those elements into the ad and create a really clever ad and do the lead gen or do the customer acquisition model that you need to push. And you get all of that in one sitting with YouTube, which is why I like YouTube so much. But it's, um, yeah, it, it people have to take a step back and realize that there's, It's not that one ad did all the heavy lifting. It was everything that went into it.
0: Good. I do this because I, when I teach digital marketing, I play what I call, I do it for the Digital Marketing Institute. So I call it Digital Marketing Institute Fantasy Football Manager Digital Marketing Channel something. And so what i do is i've got the logos i've got 11 it's really catchy yes it's it's flying it's flying Um, so what i do is i put all the logos on and i say okay your job is to put these in kind of the formation so which of the digital marketing chat platforms do you put in goal which ones are your defense which one are your midfields feeding the attackers scoring the goals and it doesn't really matter what formation they end up in it's a great rest for me because the, the group will argue for half an hour about it so it's fantastic um, and it doesn't matter what they come up with what's important is for me as like an integrated marketer because that's that's what I I kind of push you have to do everything and find what works but for me what's important is that people understand the different roles that the different um, platforms play in the customer journey and I think you're right, from YouTube is only one of those platforms. Um, so that brings us brilliantly back to this idea of a customer journey. So for me, I know it's more complicated than this, but for me, all of the things that you kind of tend to talk about are display advertising, which is about generating awareness, which is absolutely 100% necessary. People don't think about that. There are things, so it's all kind of brand marketing, which is hugely, hugely powerful, of course. And necessary, but it is still display marketing, uh, display advertising, like the billboard, like the TV, like the, the 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 magazine ad. And you've said already that this is hard work, taking people from that to customer to action. So this is nice because this brings us back to the first point, which is about you funding the ads. So explain to us how that's different from me taking out a full page add in the Guardian for my customer, me paying for it (laughs) and getting paid on the basis of the performance of that when you've told us already how difficult it is to actually attribute any of these things.
1: Good. Okay. okay, Yeah. So, when we do performance-based advertising, we're not doing the brand piece. I'm saying that that piece is really important and most digital marketers forget about it because it can't be tracked. And it's such an important piece but we don't do it we're not brand advertisers we're direct response advertisers so we're like saying hey it's just easier if they've done all the branding activity beforehand much easier so there's a huge amount of value in that um but that's kind of where you're talking about like where the digital marketing space is going i think that people are gonna have to start investing a lot more in their brand in order to get better results and that's always been true it's just a We've been we've got away with having great data, which has made made it easy to run those performance based campaigns, which is going away. Um, now, from a performance based activity, if I was to, if you were to take a full page out in the Guardian, let's say I don't know how much that would cost. Let's say it's going to cost you half a million to to run a big campaign like that in the Guardian newspaper. Then, what you would need to do is you would need to feel comfortable with the fact that you can send them somewhere that would be unique for that activity. So let's say, for example, there was an exclusive offer and the only place you can get that from, if the brand name was something like, um, and it would it, it couldn't be Prada if you did that for Prada, for, for example, because um, people just know the brand Prada. But if it was like a new, new brand that no one's seen of before, but they're like, hey, I, I've not seen this brand before. That's pretty cool. You would want to have an exclusive URL for them. And you could be like, I don't know if it was, give me a brand, because I, I just thought of something that's probably wildly inappropriate. <laughs> think, the effective you think of a brand. marketing company. An internet marketing company. Okay, fine. The effective so might,
0: marketing company.
1: Effective marketing, did you say? Yes, yes. Okay, effective marketing company. So you might buy the domain name, um, efm.com, if you can afford it, <laughs> and it's available. Um, it's efm.com. And you might say go there and it's the page you it's come it's the website you build purely for this offer and so you send traffic there then any traffic that hits that page you know it's come from one of your billboard or your guardian ad activity and then you can say right that traffic is purely from that ad it can't get there from anywhere else because no one's searching for efm efm might be too broad but you know you get the idea you can kind of go for something yes, unique. yes, yes. um and then and then from there, in the website itself, you could track everything there. You're not going to be able to track everything 100%, but you're going to have a far easier time of keeping an eye on what worked. Now, if you, you can do the same thing on YouTube as well, but you actually have a clickable link on YouTube. So you can send them to a very specific website or, or a page on a website, and you can track that pretty accurately. Or well, you could give them, is it a UTM link? So yeah, UTM link links is great. That yeah. data, yes. Yeah, okay. you also get, so when someone, so you can get the UTM data, which is like where you say it came from this campaign, this targeting method, this ad, and I have a long string of data basically of UTMs on the end of your domain name, and that's useful. That could be also generated as well from running your ads. But you also get something called a Google Click ID. And a Google Click ID is where Google will naturally append a Google Click special code, basically, on the URL itself. So then if you did sign up inside of my CRM, if I'm the client, inside of my CRM, I'll be able to find that data to be like, ah, you came in under that Google Click ID, and I can track that. And then you can get that Google Click ID to import back into your ad account. So that will give your ad account exactly the information you need um, from that. So you can get that data back into your account, it's just it's not going to be able to be used in the way that Facebook wants to use it. It's just purely reporting it, rather than building more data off the back of that activity. So you can still see what's happening inside your account. You do need a bit of software. You can do it manually, um, but it's probably best to get a bit of software like Wicked Reports. Hyros is another one, Um, and there's there's platforms out there that can do it for you. and then do all the UTM tracking and that type of stuff as well. But it means that you can get very accurate data that way. I would never send traffic to a page without those UTMs or what you're always gonna have the Google Click ID, but I would wanna be making sure that the client can get really clear with my traffic as I send it through. And then from there, I can look at the next milestone that I'm getting paid out on, whether it be a lead, a sale, I'll, I'll try and track as everything I can, But again, it's trends of data. And what we're looking to say is like, okay, well, through that activity, how many of those people became customers? Their CRM won't lie. If you've got 100 customers, you've got 100 customers in your CRM. There's no doubting that. Um, Or through your shopping cart or whatever it is, you're going to see, like, that's exactly what it is. That's how much money is in the bank. I can't deny that. That is what's happened. Whether you still show 100 sales in your ad account is different. You're probably not going to see 100 sales. You're probably going to see maybe 80 sales, and in the future, it might be 60 sales um, in your ad account. And that's where you're working with trends of data. You're saying, "I know there was 100, but from my from my ad account, it's seeing 60. I can support that with doing the GCLID upload and get 100 back into the account as well. Because I can do it very, very accurately like that. But um, the on the whole, like when I'm doing performance based advertising, I'm saying to the client, what's a trackable end result that I can get paid out on that you would feel very comfortable paying a certain amount on? And that's the figure that we try and work towards. And and then um, attribution is always gonna be a question mark, but if they know they're happy to pay that price, then that's what I get paid for.
0: Okay, so let's come back to this. Um, you can't track the display brand type stuff, because actually you can. But what they don't want to do is they don't want to compare apples with apples. So in the old days, which you're not old enough to remember, but I am just about, I, I started selling advertising in magazines and we lied to them. And we had certificates that lied to them. They were like industry certificated lies. <clears throat> but what- The best ones. But what? Yeah. yeah, but it was literally, we had readership certificates that said basically 3.5 people read every issue that we send out so our circulation is x and our, but our readership is is three and a half times that they had no way of knowing that they had no way of knowing that so it was a complete lie so for me there's kind of a scale you go from the billboard you might know what the, the traffic flow is past that billboard you don't have no idea how many people are going to look up you have no idea how many people are going to care and then you go through newspaper magazines so you can say well at least we're in the women's fashion section with our prada ad. So we get a sense of how many people we get, know how many are sold, blah, blah. And that goes all the way through something like Facebook, where Facebook, somebody I know, um, somebody who's quite a respectable lecturer in digital marketing calls Facebook the 21st century publishing fraud. Because basically what they are is publishers and they've never paid anyone to produce anything. It's insanely good. Um, But then you go through to, again, to something like YouTube, and now YouTube is more interesting because YouTube is display advertising, like we could compare it to the TV, but they are offering content at least. or And we've always got a sense that that content has to be supported or paid for somehow. So that kind of makes sense. But it's also a search engine. So it's where people go to ask questions. So YouTube probably falls somewhere between that and like a SERPs page where people literally go to buy things, you know? So I see how it's valuable, but the way you're kind of hedging your bets is by making sure that you're at the sharp end. So in my fantasy football 11, you'd be the strikers because you are doing very direct response-led stuff to get people to click. And then you can track Mm. them.
1: Good. Yeah, exactly. To go back to your fantasy football activity, yeah, like, I would be more up front, scoring the goals, putting the ball in the back of the net. Um, I may be diving back into midfield to find those audiences in the first place. But with YouTube, you can do that. Like I can't survive without. like I can survive without a brand activity, but there's certain things I can't survive without. I can't magic and add up out of nothing. There's going to need to be some credibility of the brand. There's going to need to be. Um, a claim they can stand behind. There's going to be need to be some testimonials or some sort of method or demonstration of their product. I need those assets, otherwise I'm not going to create a very good ad. But I can go from scratch and say, all right, give me those bits and I can find a cold audience and turn them into customers and I do the very best job I can. But the going back to the tracking thing, it's like um, the beauty of YouTube is that you're giving people an experience, and this is video, not just YouTube, but you're giving people an experience that they won't forget. Not to say they're going to go and buy immediately, but if you saw a text ad or a billboard ad, it may stay in your brain for maybe five, ten minutes, unless it's really, really good. With, the, with a video that might be three minutes in length and you're telling a story and you're giving good content and sharing with them, like, opportunity and get them excited, they may never forget your ad. You know, it's quite a big impact. And so what I'm saying is that, like, don't, just because it's not clicking and people aren't going to buy at the same rate as something else that was really spammy and clickbaity, that's people like, oh, I want to click that and get that thing and then get there, they're disappointed. If you have that amazing ad and it really motivates people and excites them and sees this new opportunity, you don't have to ask for the click right then to get the click-through rate up, you might just be like, hey, that's, that's a big moment for the brand. Terrible click-through rates doesn't matter. Didn't, people don't buy from it didn't really matter because you've got a great experience in front of people. And then next touch point, they are be like, oh yeah, I remember this brand. And that first impression really makes a difference. You know, um, It's, I very rarely pitch anything to anybody. Like the agent, we don't do t- too much outbound marketing in our agency or outbound marketing in Ad Buyers Club. We do calls like this and stuff, but it's always value first. So people might one day want to become a YouTube ad buyer and they'll be like, actually, hang on a second, maybe I should go and learn from Tom. Or if they've got a company, they might think, actually, do you know what, maybe let's go to viewability and and use them. But I'm not interested in saying like, okay, here's my call to action off the back of this podcast or something like, I'm because it's not in, important to me. I'm much more much to put good message out there build a brand of people saying, Tom Breeze is the YouTube ads guy, um, go to him for his agency, go to him for his brand, and people. other people carrying that message because I've given them good value. That's the, that's the piece that people forget when it's purely direct response and purely focused on turning the, and doing the striker activity. It's like, I'm going back and doing like the defense, the goalkeeper and everything in your scenario yes. um, to build that, because then the striker's got an easy time of it.
0: Yes. And the thing is i think like you i'm a bit of a camera geek so i what i spend my money on now that i'm old is basically photography equipment but the 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 buyer has to go on that journey you know i have to see the new panning tilting blah 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 maybe 400 times before i start thinking you know what i probably should have one of those you know and then and then i st- and then i go back to youtube because now i'm looking for reviews of that thing and then i might google it to see if it's actually available in the world where i uh, do you know what i mean so you have to go on that journey and the point i was well, making about
1: <clears throat> yeah imagine that like so i think you said canon right as the as a brand but for the camera
0: no didn't
1: say canon definitely not <laughs> okay well that says you know who the who i who i mean by canon right and you didn't like that but who was the brand you said <laughs> Um, I said panning, tilting, electronic head, or something is what I said. I'm a Sony user now. Sony, okay, fine. Yeah, <laughs> so I, you got geeky on me there for a second. <laughs> um, <laughs> but let's say, for example, you've got Sony, like Sony somehow have you, you've said just then, I'm a Sony person. Yeah, that says it all. That says it all. It you've, says it all. You've decided to identify yourself with Sony, and they're just a brand, they're just a company, they're just doing good products and stuff. If you were to compare it to Canon, other people want to say other things about Canon. You might not like them. You might love them. Apple do the same thing. I'm an Apple guy. Loads of people say that. Um or yes. I'm I'm I hate Apple or whatever. I'm a PC person or something. You don't get many, I'm a Microsoft person people. There we go. Um God help but that's us. the thing is you've you've told me just then that you're a Sony guy. How much easier is it going to sell for me to sell you Sony stuff? than it would be Canon stuff. Like it'd be a far easier job for me to sell Sony stuff. And that's because Sony have done all that hard work in the background for years. And yes. you have that immediate. And the fact that there's actually videos on YouTube about Sony cameras to even see the reviews says it all as well. People want to create videos about the brand. You would If I was like the brand, if I had, even if I had the best camera in the world, I'd have a really difficult time to sell it because I don't have a brand yet. You know, it's, yes. it's tough. People have to trust me on that decision. And so the trust is everything. And that's kind of why there's a lot of fly-by, well, I say fly-by-night, fly-by-year, let's say, um, advertisers at the moment are going to get crushed with the new changes because they don't understand this. They don't understand that there's brand, there's marketing, there's messaging because their life has been so easy up until now because data's just been there for them. They just say, I just want to run an ad to these people. Or build a lookalike audience of my current customers, and hey, I'm making a million bucks from Facebook. It's like, yeah, you've got data on your side, but you don't have anything else. And as soon as that data gets pulled, in in the smallest way, they're like, well, now nothing's working. I don't have a business anymore. It's like, yeah, sorry, that's the way life goes. You you've had a good time, you forgot about your brand, and that's the piece that's that's going to be that long-lasting brands that are out there. Make a make a good buck fine when times are good but if you're a real brand a real company then you don't care about really what's happening you're saying Facebook YouTube any other platform that's out there is purely just an opportunity for you but you're independent of it you're like hey this is a good place to advertise right now might not always be but let's go for it maybe it's TV maybe it's radio maybe it's billboards maybe it's magazines whatever it is or maybe it's word of mouth or building a good Solid relationship with your customers; they refer you all the time. There's like we're we're in a weird stage where people feel like digital marketing is everything, and it's really not. It's such a small aspect of marketing in general. People think it's big, but it's really not. um And people forget everything else that's out there, and it's people are gonna get crushed because of it. It's a, it's such a shame, but that's just the future is gonna be that way, and it's it's coincides with COVID, which is. Awkward timing because companies have already get hit and the companies that are smaller that don't have Facebook experts in their in-house team are going to get double crushed because they'll be like, like, okay, we can open our doors again. Let's turn on those Facebook ads again. Wait a second. There's no data here. There's nothing here for me to get access to. Like, I can't see how to run this account properly. And it's like, it's awkward. It's, it's, It's a really, the timing of it I don't like because Apple could have chosen their timing better and it's going to be the small guys that gets crushed and the big guys will live on. And that's not a great place
0: to be it's not a great place to be okay so this is the enormous power of brand so when i teach digital marketing um i struggled at the beginning because there is a um what they call a bit of a course a section i don't know um on brand advertising a module there you go (laughs) i sound like a real digital marketing lecturer now (laughs) so there's a module which is on display advertising and it used to be because they have to teach people about google display apps and but i and i struggled at the beginning because i'm a digital marketer so i was one of those people what i say to my groups is like whatever his name is john wanamaker said in the 1850s i know 50 percent of my advertising budget is effective i just don't know which 50 percent I tell people if your team comes to you and say that take them out into the car park and shoot them because you don't have to do that anymore. You're teaching me the error of the look at the, your stony face, say something because so people can see how serious you look. You look less serious <laughs> I'm now. concentrating,
1: I'm concentrating <laughs> what you're saying. Yeah.
0: But I've got this whole shtick now. So I'm also an Adidas person. So I've got this shtick where I say I was going out to play tennis one day and I put on my adidas shorts my adidas t-shirt my adidas socks my adidas things. picked up my adidas tennis bag put on my adidas cap and only realized as i caught myself in the mirror that at some point in my life adidas have really done a job on me because i don't go (laughs) into the sports shop yeah no they definitely have because i don't go into the store looking for adidas but i definitely leave with it so there's something at the front when adidas is an option i'll buy adidas and then to go back to your point about me being a sony guy when I started doing this, I was a, a, a Nikon person. I told people about the time I went to New Zealand to take amazing photos and the, the, sh- the shutter spewed oil all over my sensor and I, you know, hiked for days and weeks to get these photos and they were covered in all these terrible spots. But still, I considered myself a Nikon guy because when I went to get it cleaned in the shop, they had an "I am Nikon pen and I left with one. Do you know what I mean? We all have these brand relationships. like. And I do this whole thing. I'm a Manchester United fan. I use an Apple computer. I use Google Pixel phones. I buy my shirts in Next. I buy my underpants in Marks and Spencers. I buy my jeans from Gap. But I've got these places where I continuously go to buy things because they bought me as a customer is what they've done. And digital marketers are idiots if they don't understand this. They don't understand it. It's You've just got to compare it to the other forms of brand marketing. You've got to compare it to the billboards and the TV and the press and all of that stuff. And then what you'll see is actually digital marketing is still giving you a better option because it's telling you for this amount of money, I got you this amount of impressions and maybe I got you this amount of clicks. Do you know what I mean? So you're getting something. So I'm with you a hundred percent on this. I'm with you a hundred percent. So this is also a recurring theme because I've spoken to a few agency type people in this. You're saying that you need your customers have to have a very certain criteria if you're going to be successful for them yeah you can speak now
1: yeah (laughs) well i wanted to go back to the the point as well so i'll get on to that i think that then the wannamaker's statement of which is right like you know it's effective but you just don't know which part is effective that that's still the case even though you can track something doesn't mean that you know the whole story. You've tracked one aspect of the story, and you're trying to make too much of a story around just that one aspect. Like, let's say, for example, you saw an advert from Adidas with, I don't know, I can't think of a good Adidas model, so to speak. But there's a sportsman that wears Adidas, for example. And you might have really aligned with that sports person. You might have really loved them and read their story or kind of knew all about them. And then you saw them in Adidas, and all of a sudden you paired the two to be like, all right, I kind of deep down want to be that guy or that girl, and doesn't matter, whatever they stand for. And they wear Adidas. So by the nature of me wanting to be that person or share attributes with that person means that I kind of got to buy Adidas now. And as illogical as that might sound, that's how the brain works. It's it's um We have a deep desire for something and we're not always aware of what that desire is, and you can play on it. And it's exactly what all the adverts do on, like if you're selling a four by four car, for example, they're not gonna talk about in the advert, they're not gonna talk about mileage and how safe it is, unless you're Volvo perhaps. What they're gonna talk about is none of that. They're gonna show you what it's like to drive that four by four car up the side of a mountain or go off-roading in it, and then get to a secluded beach where you can get your surfboard out and go surfing you're buying that identity you're like i want to be that person i want to be i want to be that person doing that thing feeling that emotion and so they're, they're selling to you basically adventure you like, i want more adventure in my life and the way i do it is i buy that 4 by 4 car it doesn't make complete sense to you consciously but unconsciously that's what wakes you up and says i'm now motivated for that product same thing with if you're selling like a business franchise opportunity or kind of like these make money online people always stand in front of cars and houses and like beautiful mansions and stuff because they're like basically saying if you do what i'm doing you can be me and a lot of people want to be that person doesn't necessarily align with my way of advertising i don't like that strategy but it works and people hate it people love it doesn't matter like that's what happened. That's kind of like the des- deep desire in some people. And I'll give you another example as well. Like, so I bought a house recently about a year ago, and I was putting up a shelf. And I'm not a DIY person, but I have a level of like, manly pride or stereotypically manly pride with putting a shelf up. And if you have put up shelves, I'm sure you have, getting it straight is quite an anxious moment. And the reason it's anxious is because, you're you're playing that future self out to yourself. You're saying, okay, well, if this isn't straight, I, and I, I can tell you exactly what I thought. I was like, if this isn't straight, first my wife's going to look it at it, and she'll be fine with it. She'll be like, she'll be like, oh, babe, it's fine. We'll get away with it. And I know what she's thinking. It's fine, but it's really not fine, and you're not a real man. <laughs> that's or at least that's what I'm playing a story in my own head. And then I'm thinking, do you know what also is going to happen? My father-in-law is going to come around, and he's going to see that it's not straight, and then he's going to say something about it, and I'm going to feel really awkward about it. So I was like, do you know what? I need to get a proper drill, because the drill I had was, I didn't trust it, basically. It's probably fine. I'm going down to the hardware store, and I went down there. And I remember talking to the the person that was going to help me buy a drill, um, the sales rep. And he said, what sort of drill are you after? I was like, I know. I was like, that's a stupid question for me because I have no (laughs) clue, basically. Um, I was like, all I want in this drill is to be idiot-proof. I just wanted to do the job of me, but in the end, he was like, all right, well, what are you doing? I was like, "Putting up shelves. And he's like, okay, cool. Well, buy this one. It's really easy. It's a bit more expensive, but it's really easy to use. And then also, let me show you something else that's going to help me get straight. He upsold me loads of stuff. I bought this product, but I was buying basically out of security of saying I want to, I'm pride and I want to keep it together. So if they had said to me, "Oh, here's the here's the product that any man can use and never make a mistake with putting up shelves," I'm like, "Yeah, I'm in. I'm buying that one. Whatever. I don't even care how much it costs. That's the one I want." And so it's it's understanding what deep desires that people really have, and playing into that. And you can't track that in a pixel you can't track that in data it's it's that but that's what marketing is and so we can't like separate the two easily we can measure it somewhat and look at some of the trend of data but if you're saying i'm going to run this perfect ad which talks about this this amazing drill and then next month i need a drill and i'm like i remember the idiot proof one i'm going to buy that brand it's you can't track that it's just impossible to track it but you, can, you know that's good marketing sense. So that's kind of on that side. Um, I don't know if you wanted to go on any on that, but I can then, now talk about the type of clients we look for if you like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd be really cool. But what you're saying is that you they have to come with something if you're
0: gonna make them successful. And I think this has been the theme of this when I've been talking to agency type people, <clears throat> because people are resistant to marketing and, i think and so what you have to be really careful of is making sure that you take on the right customers so now you can tell us about the sort of people that you work with and and who it works for
1: yeah logically we we don't like marketing unconsciously we love it We've, like don't forget we love buying stuff like it's a really good feeling of pressing the button saying i've bought or leaving the shop with a product underhand like you could argue that's what the product does in general, like, because I know that I've bought products, books, I love buying books, okay, I buy books, and I feel really good about it, and I'm like, I bought that book, I walk out the store, and I'm like, 15 minutes later, I, if I'm really honest with myself, I'm never going to read it, but I like the fact that I bought it, which is a really weird concept, because now I'm thinking, well, where is the, like, I still do it, and I still love buying books, and I'm never going to read them, so what is going on there, because maybe I'm buying out of a different choice I don't want the content I just want the feeling of buying something that's quite weird um but that kind of that's where I feel a lot of people forget as well as when it comes to the sale it's like how are people going to feel about the purchase and that's probably a large part of the product Like when I when I buy an Apple phone uh, I buy it and when it arrives it comes a beautiful packaging I feel good about opening it and as soon as I've got the phone I'm like 15 minutes later I'm like it's kind of the same as the other one i had maybe a slightly better camera but it cost me a fortune i'm the emotion's gone at that point but that motion with opening it up and feeling like okay i have got a new phone dies away pretty quick and then but it's it's that moment i'm probably buying more than anything else um so I, so i keep on going on tangents here but uh, yeah so with regards to the clients we work with we're looking for uh, typically look for to consumer products so b2c Direct to consumer, um, and we're so we're not going for B two B necessarily. Very rare that we take on B two B clients, and um, we need, normally need to have something a little innovative so we can kind of actually create something cool around that brand. We're also looking to have like good margins. So if someone says oh, I'm selling this fidget spinner for five dollars or something, I'm like, yeah, that's going to just be too difficult to do that at any meaningful scale or trying to get don't even get to work in the first place you'll go negative too quickly um and then um also people that are building legit brands like we we consult with the top brands and we help them and we guide them on their on their journey to getting into youtube ads and we do some agency work on there as well but with the uh with up and coming brands who've got great products they just haven't you haven't heard of them before those ones are kind of tend to be our um sweet spot client right now where it's like they're struggling, they might do Facebook really well, but they're struggling, they're not pure in and out digital advertisers, but they need help. And they've got great products and they really care about their customers. That's almost the best product. But the assets we're looking for typically are Google-level cred- uh, credibility, something that they have really good results to their clients and it's consistent. So good testimonials. Um, and then we're looking for like some sort of action plan that is like, it's not just, oh, we've got some cool things. It's like, oh, we've got a plan of here's how it works. Here's like the demonstration of the product or the service. So people can kind of wrap their heads around it. And some of that could be worked on with the clients. But with that, then we've got the opportunity to be a lot more creative with how we build out from there. And um, and yeah, that typically makes a, a good YouTube ad customer, so to speak.
0: Yes. So the people who've had a rough ride in these chats have been like, Pai Lopez, who's one of these guys, he's all standing in front of a room full of books or he's standing in front of a Ferrari. or there's some people I know that do a similar thing on Facebook. So what is offensive to me as like a marketing generalist, as like an integrated marketing kind of proponent, um, is that this is the secret to marketing and, and do this one thing with us and you will be successful. So I really don't enjoy that at all. And the, the so there's lots of differences between you and them. You are still a specialist in in YouTube, but like we've discussed. It's a display platform. It's a search engine. You know, people are there to consume content. So if your content's good enough, you can you can hold them. You can put in your the very direct links. So. You can play YouTube as a striker, I think is what I'm saying. I'm really glad that you've enjoyed the analogy and invested in the analogy. Um, but the other thing that makes you different is that you understand that there's more to this, like the, the, the groundwork has to have been done. You know, you people have to be aware of you. They have to be aware of the products and services that you provide. They have to be aware of the value in that. And they have to be somewhere near the end of that journey, where they're actually ready to respond to something that's very direct and invites a response.
1: Uh, that I mean, I'm saying that definitely helps, and people should not forget that. Well, we take on clients when no one's heard of the brand before and don't know what it is. But the beauty of YouTube is you—you you can normally hold someone's attention on a YouTube ad for up to five minutes in some instances. So if it's a good quality ad, people are watching. And so you can take them from, it's like shorting up that journey from cold to warm very quickly because you have a video to do it with. And if you tell a really good story there and then your product price is like, let's say $50, for example, you can sell that straight from cold to someone making a purchase there and then in that direct moment. Because YouTube's great for that. People will go into YouTube looking for help or looking for answers to questions. And if you provide them amazing help and then say, actually, look, there's a whole product around this. Like let's say, for example, you said, so I'm going to go to YouTube and learn about YouTube ads. And then you saw my ad and I was like, let me lay it out for you and show you how it works in five minutes. And then I say, go and click and go and watch my extended version of this, which will be a 25 minute video perhaps. And then I have a $50 sale at the end of it. There's a good chance you'll go buy that, you know, because you were already searching for YouTube ads. So it doesn't have to be necessarily the brand be aware, but it's like you are solution away. You're kind of you're realizing there are people out there that can teach you YouTube ads because you're going to YouTube and looking for that in the first place. And if I'm getting in front of you that time, it's not going to be too difficult to turn you into a customer because it's like, okay, cool. Can you part with $50 to learn a training of stuff you already want? Yeah, you'll probably do that. And that's the beauty of YouTube is you have that um, customer there with intent. You do also have like the interest-based audiences as well, but it's so you don't always have to put the brand out there first. And we don't, but we run ads for clients that don't have any brand exposure to the customers they're already getting or the users are getting in front of. And so we have to build that within an ad itself and then build a whole campaign off the back of that with the client. And um, so YouTube works great for cold traffic. It's just, it's um, it helps if you have that brand exposure beforehand, for sure. Absolutely.
0: Okay, cool. We have done, I think an hour and 20 minutes already. You've been amazing, oh, yeah. Tom. I knew you would be.
1: <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's good because cool. you ask good questions. You know, you, you kind of you, there's a lot of podcasters out there because that's when you asked, and I had a look at some of the episodes. I like the way that you take the approach to this because you don't just go in of like, here's my set questions, and here's you kind of actually interested in the answers and and see where it takes you. So, which is refreshing for a podcast. I do a lot of podcasts, and a lot of the time it's just like. Okay, tell me how you got into YouTube ads. Okay, great, and what's next for YouTube ads? It's just, but we've gone deep into a subject. We didn't get into much YouTube ads activity, in fact. So I'm happy no. to come back on and talk about that one day, but yeah, but this has been very refreshing and I love the way that you do the podcast. It's very cool.
0: Thank you very much. And the thing about this is, is that I am interested and I am, I don't know if you knew, but I was. I wanted to be like the small business marketing champion, like between 2005, probably when I met you around 2010. And then I realized that they don't deserve a champion. And so I stopped. But I've kind of, <laughs> I feel a little bit like Oliver Stone and Platoon. Like he spent his time in the trenches and then he wanted to tell the world. And I kind of want that as well. And I think if we can have these conversations and actually dig a bit deeper and challenge a little bit, because I don't think marketing people get challenged enough. So that's kind of this part of what I'm doing. Uh, We're going to have to do this again. I think it might be in about, I don't know. I do actually have more than 11 people on the list. So I don't know, but it might be in two or three months, (laughs) something like that. But I think we could come back and do a, how do people actually go about doing this? Because I think it's really interesting. And I didn't even talk to you about the social dilemma where they're telling us how clever these platforms are and you've got no option but to buy this stuff. Because I think that's junk. Because I think what you've demonstrated to us again what's demonstrated to anyone who watches youtube for more than 20 minutes a day is that youtube advertisers are typically idiots i am never going to buy a chinese industrial 4 floor cleaning piece of equipment so why are they putting in front of me i've never done a search that suggests that i will so you know so we could go into all of that as well that i think that would be really useful but this just you wait
1: next week you'll be buying it you know that (laughs) i won't
0: I will not ever be buying that. Maybe when I've seen it 4,000 times, I'll start thinking. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: If I find myself ever YouTubing, searching on YouTube for Chinese industrial floor cleaning equipment, then we'll know that YouTube advertising works.
1: There'll be a moment in the future where you're like, I knew I should have bought it. I knew it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Excellent. Man, thank you so much for this. I've really thoroughly enjoyed this. And I will be back. It will be two or three months and we can do like a next level how do you actually go about doing this? Because I think that also is, is good for businesses like yours, but I think these platforms have got to the point where if you're not using a specialist, like you say, if you don't have in-house people, you're kind of in trouble. If this is something you look at every six months, you're not going to know how it works in six months time. It's, it's really as simple as that. Okay, thank you so much, man. Um, I will speak to you again in two or three months time.
1: Sounds good, Martin. Good to speak to you, mate. All right. Thank you so much, man.